you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, I am excited to bring to you my friend and sister in Christ, Cherie Zach. She is the founder of Imperfect Wives, a ministry devoted to helping women fight for their marriages. I know we don't normally talk just about marriage on an episode, but I believe that she has wisdom and uh, perspective based on her life experience that we can all benefit from. And I know, based on the fact that we already recorded this episode, that it has it will be a fabulous opportunity for you to glean not only how to cultivate health in your own marriage, what to do if you are in a dysfunctional marriage, what to do if you find yourself in an abusive situation, as well as how to navigate difficult relationships with extended family members. I end up talking about what God did in my family with my own dad and how that was something that I had to learn to walk through in a similar situation to what Cherie had to walk through. Now, I'm giving you an introduction today, which I normally don't do, because this particular recording of Cherie and I is not exactly the best. We had some technical difficulties uh, because of her internet connection. We ended up getting on the phone. It only recorded one track of both of us together, so I couldn't edit out my ums and uhs that kind of canceled out her voice. But I believe that what she had to say and sharing her story was so incredibly valuable that I'm just asking you guys to kind of muster uh, muster through the difficult quality of it to get to the heart of what she has to say and let the Spirit of God speak to you about the areas of your life that you need to apply her principles. So uh, we'll be picking up with Cherie introducing herself and sharing her story. All right. Hi, Liz. Um, first, thank you for having me. I'm so honored uh, to be on the podcast with you today. I want to spend time with you, as you know. Um, And uh, so I represent Imperfect Wives. We've been around probably, I think, well, 12 years now, going on 12 years, maybe. And uh, it's a ministry that, it's a ministry that teaches wives how to fight for their marriages the right way. Mm. Yeah. And so that is something that you started because what led you to that place? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, you know, if I had the chance, I would uh, sit with every lady, not just you, but every wife, and just fill out my heart and all of my mistakes. Um, I would share my story, but it wouldn't stop there because I know that if it, if it wasn't for God's grace that I wouldn't even be sitting here today, nor would I have a thriving marriage and family. Um, Bill and yeah. I have been married, well, we've been married 25 years, and wow. um, and we do look forward to, 25 years is a big mark <laughs> in today's society, um, but it wasn't always, you know, as easy as it is for us today. Four years into our marriage, Bill told me in a phone call that he wanted a divorce. Um, wow. I had just recently received my salvation. I had surrendered my life to God, fully surrendered. I was, I was uh, 29 years old fully surrendered to him, and I changed instantly. There, Not everything, of course, but there were certain things in my life that just changed 
instantly, including music, the movies that I wanted to watch, things like that. And Billy got into a place uh, really fast where he felt like we were on two different pages. Now, I had been married before for five years. We had three children, uh, Samantha, our daughter, and then uh, I, I gave birth to twins right before we separated. And um, it was a very abusive marriage. So when my ex-husband finally left us for the last time, I had made the decision I was never going to marry again. Okay. <laughs> I was not going through that. Right. And um, I was tired of being abandoned. I was tired of being being hit, um, beaten all the time. It was a really hard story, which we won't get into today. But when I, a few years later, when I met Bill, I we had talked that we were not ever going to talk about divorce, that that we were going to fight for what we had. Um, I had I brought three children into this marriage. It was his first, my second, and then we had James William, our youngest. So um, right after I had James is when I surrendered my life to God. And mm. at this point in, the, in, in my story, uh, Billy called and said that he wanted a divorce. And I, you know, I was shocked. I asked him if we could talk about it later. And, um, and I hung up the phone because <laughs> I didn't know what to do. But my first thought was I went right to the Lord and I'm a brand new Christian and I was like, God, I give you my life and you take my marriage. Yeah. Yeah, that tells you how young I was in my walk. Um, but I think that God understands our hearts when we ask those questions. So if I was asking God a lot of questions, he asked me one that changed my life. Um, he asked me, are you going to run or are you going to stay and fight? And run is what I always did, Lee. When things mm -hmm. got hard emotionally, I ran. I ran to music, and I would hide in it for hours, listening to every note, and I would find peace in the notes and the music. Not like hard hard rock, nothing like that, but more along the line of love songs. I was always drawn to, I'm an 80s girl. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was a teenager in the 80s, and I loved the, lo the love songs, right? <laughs> so yeah. those were the songs I would get lost in. Or I would literally run away ending the relationship that was being impacted. But this time was different. This time God was asking me if I would stay and I wanted to stay. I wanted to fight, but I didn't know how. I had mm. failed so many times before because of my divorce, you know, my three children were impacted by my mistakes and I didn't want to make the same mistakes I'd made before. But God promised me at least this time that he would teach me how to fight, um, but it would have to be his way and not my own. <laughs> that was a really big one because I like to control my situations. I wanted to control my environment. I wanted to control everything because I, I, this is hard to share, but as I was being raised, I was actually abused. Mm. And so that abusive pattern continued with my first marriage. So I had gotten to a place where I believe that if I can control my circumstances, yep. then I can control the outcome. And God yeah. was trying to teach me that I couldn't. So the first place he hit was my rights. And he began mm. to teach me, you cannot fight for your rights and save your marriage. But how, all I could see was the pain. All I could see was the hurt because Bill was fighting me with every ounce he had for a divorce. And I continued mm. to say no. But that day started a fight I had never walked through before in my life. And during my own personal battle, God shattered me. My faith was tested. My identity was ripped to pieces. It seemed like nothing was safe. 
even then, I still chose to stay in the fight because God had given me a vision of what my marriage could be like in the end of the journey. So Bill fought mm. against me with everything he had. He yelled at me, oh gosh, <laughs> cussed me sometimes <laughs> because he was angry. Um, yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's, he even fought against my relationship with the Lord, how I was raising our children. Nothing was safe with him. And today I understand that, but at the time I didn't. One night mm-hmm. he was so angry. Um, he opened up the front door and he threw his wedding ring out into the night air. And he said, my life ended the day I married you. Oh. And those words, they don't hurt, but wow, they did then. And I thought I would never recover at that point. So it was in those moments that, you know, as I was praying, it was a few days later, and I was praying and just asking God for strength. I was ready to walk away. I was ready to quit. I was ready to give Mm. up. And I thought, there's no way. I can't continue to do this. And that's when the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, be still and know that I am God. And those words turned into thousands instantly. As the Holy Spirit began to teach me what they meant, um, and this ended at least happening quite a few times over those years in our marriage as I was learning how to let go of me and how to hold on to God. Because mm. I mistakenly thought that the fight was about, was against Bill. Because at one point, I even told God, why are you focused on me? I'm the one that's saved. Bill's the one that's, that doesn't have salvation. Why is your focus so heavy on me? And um, I had said that a few times. And there's just one moment where, you know, God revealed to me, he said, Shree, you're the one that's coming after me, not Bill. You know, he said, but you're one flesh. So though the negative impacts you both, the positive does too. And I didn't get at the time what he meant, but as I was changing, there was a positive that was happening. And mm-hmm. um, with each time that I was changing, once Bill saw that, that the changes were real, his heart began to soften. And then he got to a place where God was able to use me to speak into him, not me be the Holy Spirit, because I tried that many times, and it did not work. (laughs) It did not work. I thought I knew better. I laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny then, of course. No, no. Um, Yeah. So basically what happened with that was in the midst of that fight, in the midst of me letting go of 20 million things that felt like, like I said, there was nothing safe with the Lord. Um, During that season, God began to bring women to me from in crazy places. I was the first time it happened. I was standing in the grocery store um, by the, uh, the meat area. And the sweet lady came up and she said, I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but for some reason I feel compelled to ask you, would you pray for my marriage? And I thought, what? If she hadn't said, I know you don't know me (laughs) and I don't know you, I would have thought she was crazy. But because she said that, she started the conversation outright for me because I was able to process what she was saying. Um, I was able to pray with her. I don't remember what I prayed, and I surely did not feel like I had the right things to say. I was fighting in my own marriage, and I was stunned that this was happening in the first place. But I prayed, and, and I truly prayed from my heart. And she thanked me, and she walked away. Well, then it happened again, not the same day. But it happened again, and then it happened again, and it happened again, and it got to where I was like, okay, God, who is, who are you going to bring me to me today? Who do I need to pay attention for? What is, you know, it kind of felt like an assignment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I didn't seek these women out, and I couldn't even tell you who they are today, 
but there were enough of them that I started to realize that there's something here. You know, there's something mm-hmm. God wanted to do. There was purpose. There was purpose, a deeper purpose for what God was taking me through. It wasn't just to save my marriage. It was to prepare me to help other wives to save theirs. And that's what I've been doing since. Clearly, clearly. it's. I've known 90% of your story because of our the prayer group that we've been a part of and the ministry that we've been a part of yeah. together. But it is something to sit here and, and hear it all in context of the pain, the calling in the middle of the pain. Now you're in the place of joy for, you know, the redemptive work that God has done in your marriage, but you're, you're choosing daily to walk with other women through their pain again and again. And it must trigger you at times to be back in that, right. To, to feel the feels. Yeah. But you stay focused on God and you remind yourself that your marriage is good and that your husband is home. He's not going anywhere. Your children are healthy. The very things that you fought for, that I fought for for so long, um, those things, those came to fruition and I'm good. I don't have to take on the women that I counsel. I don't have to take on their stories. Do I help them? Yes. Do I walk with them passionately? Yes. Will I ever leave them? No, not as long as they need me. But their story cannot become mine and what they're going through today. That's one of the first things I had to learn. So yes, yeah. there are triggers, but I've learned how to not allow them to impact me. I think that's so powerful to hear you say that because there are women that are going to be listening to this who don't even think that they could fight for their marriage. There are going to be women who have been mm-hmm. fighting for their marriage. And, and there are women that are going to say, okay, now God use me to help other women. And so I love that yeah. you can kind of model those three stages Uh, and provide wisdom to each because I often have women come to me for coach training because they've come through something hard and, and now they want to help other people. They want to tell people what to do. And you, you took the coach training course with me. So you learn this, (laughs) that, that, (laughs) that we can't, we can't tell people how, how to solve their problem. We can walk with them, offer wisdom But what worked for you in fighting for your marriage, there are foundational principles. And yet the day in, day out action steps that the women that you work with have to take are going to look a little bit different at times. They always do. Yeah. Because every every situation is so different, but you also have different personalities Mm -hmm. um, and everybody's in a different place in their walk. So it's, you know, um, it's like from the very beginning of salvation, sometimes there's a few that aren't even saved yet, but they truly want to be, to, you know, at the beginning of salvation, I've had a few of those, and then there's, the majority, though, are in the middle of their, I don't say in the middle of their walk, but they're further along, they're more mature than, you know, they were when they were first saved, they're a little um, easier, um, because they catch on faster, it's the ones who are not saved, or the ones who are, you know, have just come to salvation, their, their situations are harder because they don't understand biblical principles and they're still fighting for their rights like I was. Yeah. So would you say that's the difference, fighting, fighting for your rights versus allowing God to fight for you while you submit your rights to him? Yes. 
Yielding to the Holy Spirit is so important in this process. And that was something I didn't understand in the beginning. I fought against him constantly. I was constantly giving him my reasons why I shouldn't have to do what he was asking me to do. Like I said before, there was no place in me that was safe. Nothing was safe. And you don't want it to be safe with the Lord. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I can keep work my hardest to keep sin hidden, but God is always going to flush it out. He's going to root yeah. it out and it's going to stand there and stare at me. <laughs> so, and yeah. a big part of that was my rights. But, you know, I had learned to protect myself all those years and I didn't know, I was so scared to let go of that covering, not realizing mm-hmm. that that covering was made of, it was made of my flesh. It was fear. It was doubt. It was the condemnation that I had for myself. It was, I was very bitter about me. I didn't like me. Yeah. And yet I was holding on to all of that thinking that I was in a safe place, you know, not understanding that there is no, there's no safe place in sin. There's no safe place that the devil has you in. Um, Mm -hmm. And so letting go of my rights, that was, I know that may not be everybody's fight, but for me it was. So I had to learn to let go of my rights, allow God to change me. And then I found myself at a place where I actually no longer um, was offended by Bill, and there were moments I, that I don't want to say hate, but there were moments I was quite angry with him, and mm-hmm. um, would call him a jerk. It, you know, sometimes to him, but mostly under my breath. But um, and I would tell God, you know, but um, but there was there was a time where I finally came to this place where I understood that I was right. I was fighting the wrong battle. I was fighting mm-hmm. against Bill and against me. But if I could just lay down my rights, yield to the Holy Spirit and begin to walk with him and trust him, then eventually I got to a place where I started to realize the person I'm fighting for is my husband. But I cannot be his Holy Spirit. I had to trust God and do exactly what God was telling me to do. And today my husband is saved and something I wasn't sure would happen at the time. He loves the Lord. He leads our family. And I rejoice in this, but... Not in a way to to hurt any of your listeners, not by any any means, because we had to work hard to get here. Yeah, you don't just yeah. snap your fingers and it happens. You have to do the work, but it's so worth it in the end. Yeah. In the end, you know, it is change is coming. I know. <laughs> if you're willing to do it, change is coming. I I often have shared with our more to be tribe about how I, I've not talked much about our marriage. I've talked about my transformation, my anger, God changing me from the inside out. But part of that is I think sometimes I'm confident in talking about me because it feels like I have a little bit of control over that. And I've not talked much about our marriage because I'm always afraid that it's going to bust apart, which is, isn't that interesting? And it's, it's crazy Mm -hmm. because We've been married 22 years and God redeemed our marriage more than 14 years ago. Like I remember when we got to the point that we were happily married as many years as we had been unhappily married. And, and the seven year mark for me was critical. And Stephen doesn't remember it quite the same way, which is pretty funny how we, we <laughs> have our own stories in our head, but yeah. for me, uh, I, we were away in Disney uh, for a, a business purpose for Steven. And we decided we were going to go out to dinner that night. And we ended up on this like um, Disney bus trying to find the restaurant. 
And we just kept 45 minutes on this bus, couldn't figure out what stop to get off at. And while I was, <laughs> we're circling, I am making the decision that I'm going to divorce him. Like, the, it was like a metaphor of our life. And even though we vowed yeah. we would never divorce because our, our parents' marriages both busted apart through, you know, a result of adultery, we were like, we're never going to do this. We're married for life. There's no D word. I'm under my breath saying, this is a metaphor for my life and I'm out. I'm getting out. And he didn't know that. I, we never ended up at the restaurant. I don't know what we did for dinner. And we, we came home from that trip and I, I was like, okay, how do I do this? Like, what's the next step to end this? And we had, um, at the time, let's see, I think the twins might've been babies seven years in and the girls were like wow. six and four and two, the babies were two, like it, they were all little. Um, my yeah. mother-in-law had stayed with the kids while we were gone. And when she, when I got home, she's like, oh, I meant to give you this book that her friend gave her uh, for me. So it was her, her best friend, Mary, who was a pastor's wife at the church that my mother-in-law went to, handed her this book to give to me. And it was called The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. And, you know, it's not exactly fun times to have your mother-in-law give you a book on how to take care of her son and I was so oh. mad but I think what made me read that book was that Dr. Laura Schlesinger is Jewish and my background with being raised you know raised by a Jewish father yeah. made me inclined to look at it well her principles were absolutely biblical and every chapter revealed to me the um, model of marriage I had inherited the reasons why my parents' marriage fell apart and how horrible of a wife I was because oh. of my own issues. And I didn't know how to show love and respect to my imperfect husband. Yeah. And so right. that kicked off, <laughs> that kicked off a season of great humility on my part of apologizing of asking Stephen, like mm -hmm. I would read parts in this book. I'm like, is this, is this how you feel? And he, yes. Is this how I am? Oh, wow. Yes. And, and, and feeling like, oh my word, just repentant. And from there we ended up doing a Dr. Emerson Egrex love and respect book that we did it as yeah. a video series. We did men are like, uh, men are like uh, waffles <laughs> and women are like spaghetti and began yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they all those resources have pros and cons, but ultimately, yeah. we began to become students of our marriage and mm -hmm. looked for ways to communicate love and respect where it it never even dawned on us that we were anything but love and respectful. Like I, I didn't even know what that looked like. It was a completely new set of lenses. And in the, it took, it took two years to see our marriage begin to heal. And then at that time was when I ended up in counseling for myself and my healing journey really fired into overdrive. And as God changed me, I stopped trying to change Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we are, so at 22 years, 
we love each other. We enjoy each other. Uh, he is my best friend. Um, he has become more of the spiritual head of our house in the last six months than I have ever seen. Prayers that I prayed 22 years ago are manifesting now. But yeah. it's as though yeah. the more I pull back, the more I stop trying to control outcomes, the more that I yield my sin to the Lord and deal with my stuff, the more free Stephen seems to be to be who God called him to be. Yeah, you're creating a safe place for him, and, and that's what he needs, and that's where they're going to thrive. Not the place where the, where the Holy Spirit constantly telling them what they're doing wrong, but actually focusing on ourselves with the Lord and allowing them to move in their own. Because just like our children, our husbands need to be free to make mistakes. But if yes. we're control freaks, we don't allow them to make mistakes. And no. then that actually hinders them from being able to be drawn to the Lord. I didn't know that either. So I was I, making that mistake over and over and over. Over and over and over again. And, and practically speaking, here's one example. Because sometimes like, we can talk a lot about theory, but what did that practically look like? And so there were two practical things mm -hmm. that changed my marriage. Um, I used to make a list of all the things that needed to be done and put it on the corner of the kitchen counter and be like, you need to do this. This needs to happen. needs to happen. I found out years later that list drove him nuts. It felt yeah. condescending and controlling to him. But he'll turn around and say to me, make me a list. And I'm like, but you told me not to make you a list. And he, so, so it's a nuance. He, he's like, talk to me about the things you feel like need to be done and ask me, what do I feel like needs to be done? And what I've come to learn, especially now that we own a house, is that what I see as pressing needs he doesn't. And what he sees right. as pressing needs does not cross my radar at all. Both are necessary. And so we have to collaborate and prioritize together. And once we collaborate and prioritize together, then he wants me to write it down because he knows personality wise, he's going to forget. So yeah. and you're, it's, you're talking it, about values. Oh yeah. Values. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and stewardship yeah. and, personality and mm -hmm. all of that. So that, that's been one thing. Like you can approach your husband and say, uh, you know, this is my habit. I tend to make this list. How do you feel about that? And, and get, get, a, get feedback, right? Which sometimes is hard because yes. it might require you have to change your habits, but that could be a bridge. Like, a, like, um, what's the expression? you know, kind of this, you're handing it forth, like here, I give you this and I'm, I'm submitting this to yeah. you. Um, the other thing that, that was very practical was, and this still to this day drives me absolutely nuts. It came out of that proper care and feeding husband's book that when he walks in the door, he loves it when I get up and kiss him hello. And I am all about efficiency so why should I have to get up out of my seat to come over to kiss you hello when you're already <laughs> on your feet and you come over to me and kiss me hello? But that little bit for his personality is a, is a token of me in action saying, I love you and I'm excited to see you. I'm glad you're here. And so yeah. even to this day, I mean, I've been doing this now for 14 years. 
I have to like literally say in my head, get out of your chair. It's not about you. It's, you don't need to be right in this. Mm -hmm. Just get up and go kiss the man, you know? And it's, yeah, it's there's your right. <laughs> but yeah, those, those habits, those behaviors I have seen translate into my motherhood and into my, my work relationships. Like it, it, and sometimes I think God allows our marriages to magnify our sin. And if we submit it to the Lord, he'll transform us. And then that translates into other relationships. Yeah, it does. Yeah. For me, it was listening. I didn't know how to listen. <laughs> and our youngest would say, he would tell his dad and I, you guys need listening lessons. And oh. he was right because of that control, wanting to control the situation. Yeah. Instead of listening to Bill, I had I was forming what I thought he was saying or listening to what I thought he was saying in my head because I was filtering wrong. I was filtering through frustration, through offense, whatever mm -hmm. the, the conflict was in the moment. And then what came out didn't even match what he was talking about. But I was convinced that I was right and he was wrong because I was formulating what I was going to respond with in the midst of him talking. So for application, wow. I had to back up and realize I have got to stop doing that because he would tell me, you're not listening to me. And I'm like, yes, I am. No, mm. no, I wasn't. Mm -mm. No, no, you were. And then the... Uh -uh. <laughs> I actually enjoy for uh, almost every day I try to meet him outside as soon as he pulls up and give him a kiss, give him a hug, help him with whatever, because he'll stop and pick up things at the grocery store for us, you know, little um, odds yeah. and ends, and I'll help him bring that in. I'm not always out there, but let me tell you what, if I don't make it out there, first thing he says when he walks in the door is, where were you? Oh, no. <laughs> he likes that. He likes yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And Bill is not the type of husband that wants to be served. And I am the type of wife that wants to serve him. So I had to find a balance in that. What areas, like I can't make his plate. He, he told me, you're not my mom. I can make my plate myself. Well, I was raised in a household where the wife makes the plate, mm -hmm. you know, for the husband. So we always model what we're raised in, right? But not yeah. Bill in his laundry. Okay, ladies, get ready for this one. <laughs> he doesn't let me do his laundry. I've never Hallelujah. done his laundry, out, you know, on a regular basis. I, of course, mine and the kids, yes, and we have four children. But um, to do his, you know, in all honesty, when we were dating, he was in the Navy. He, he retired from the Navy a few years ago, but he was active duty. And their jumper jacks, um, or cracker jacks, sorry, it's been a while. <laughs> They're made uh -huh. of wool. So <laughs> gotcha. I washed it. And then I dried it. Oh, no. <laughs> and it went to, like. Oh, no. <laughs> so then, he's, yeah. So if you want to know how to get out of doing your husband's laundry, do something bad. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I, I honestly did not mean. I didn't know that wool shrinks. I didn't know that. <laughs> but um, so sometimes I'll go in and I'll catch his laundry up for him. But he would rather do his laundry. It's not because he doesn't want me doing it. We have a special needs child, as you know, Samantha, and she has cerebral palsy and seizures, and she keeps me very busy during the day, so he likes to do things just to take things off, you know, my back. Now, was he like that when we were 
when we were going through the fight? No, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no, because, so, you know, that was a part of the battle. Speak to that. You know, we're, we've given some pretty good examples of, of what we're doing now with husbands to care for the marriage when it's kind of in a healthy place and what we did to kind of nurture yeah. that healthy place long. What about that woman who, you know, she just heard you say you go out to the car and greet your husband, you know, your husband. What if, if she's saying, I don't even want him to come in the door. Like, <laughs> what, what can you say to her? Oh, it's such a hard place to be that we have to, we have to get to the place where we recognize that's pride. Pride is separating us from our husband. If it's something that God's put on your heart to do, or it's something that your husband has shown interest in or that he likes, then we need to let go of pride and we need to meet them where they're at. Um, because as long as we continue to hold on to our right to not get up and go out the door, then we're going to be in the same place we've been in, you know, from the start. Change happens yeah. within us first. Right. And what about situations where, like you were in, there's abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, addiction. What should a woman do when they're in that situation with their husband and it's their, their husbands in this stronghold of, of sin and struggle? And it's a hard place too, um, because if, if you're being abused, you need to get to a safe place. That doesn't mean you give up on your husband. Um, but it does mean you and if you have children, you need to get to a safe place because staying in the situation only continues the pattern. It's not going to, mm -hmm. you can't save him. And we think we can. We think mm -hmm. we can save our husbands, but we can't. There comes a place where there, there's that moment that you realize only God can do this and God can do it. But society tells us to drop them off at the curb and keep moving on. But that's not what God wants us to do. And I understand that there may be some listeners that are hearing that maybe for the first time and they're thinking, well, you're crazy and I'm turning you off. <laughs> but honestly, you know, God's heart is for the marriage. And when we come into this marriage and we said for better or worse, there's no way we can understand what the worst entails. That doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, so that doesn't mean when the worst comes, that's our ticket out of the marriage. You know, a good marriage is a marriage that was fought for. And when we fight for our husbands the right way, then that's when God can truly work. So getting out of the abuse is step one. Step two, getting counseling for yourself. Praying, you know, asking your husband to get counseling because obviously he needs it if he's in that place. And that can be anger too, Lise. It can be a spirit of anger. Yeah. Um, it doesn't yeah. have to just be abuse or drug addiction, things like that. Anger is, is anger can rip apart a family. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I dealt with with Bill was his anger. Um, but step two is to get counseling for yourself, get a biblical counselor, someone who's going to bring God's word to you, continually point you to God's word. Because even though facing our own sin is hard, there's joy in the season because there's mm -hmm. so much comfort that comes from God's word when we know how to apply it. And then three, be, once you get to a place where you're healthy, really begin to pray for your husband because you have to forgive. I haven't met a wife yet that has faced something that hard and not struggled with unforgiveness. Yeah, yeah, because there's there's so many layers of it. Your dreams are have been yeah. stolen. Your hopes have been crushed. Yeah. You've been hurt, betrayed, abandoned. I mean, every every aspect of it. And no, that's not my marriage story, but 
the people there are people around me that I love more than anyone in the entire world, apart from my own, you know, husband and children who, who are suffering and who I am watching and witnessing the pain. It doesn't mean I know the pain, Mm. but I know it's very real. And I know that nobody can lift that pain. The Lord can carry that pain, but understanding how to trust him when the human Mm -hmm. flesh has failed you so hard, so hard. Well, if you, if you have uh, gotten to a place where you're, you know, if you're, if you have my background and and many women do where you, you faced abuse, you get to a place where you don't trust God because Mm -hmm. you've not been able to trust any other man in your life. My first husband, my friend, um, thought they were being wise, and they told him, if you drink, smoke, do drugs, have sex, she won't go out with you. He did all of that. Yeah, I was 16 years old when I met him, and he was full-fledged and all of that, and I had no idea. Had they not told him that, which was true, had I known those things, I never would have gone out with him. All of that was revealed during within the first week of marriage. He hid it oh. until the first week of marriage. Drugs, all of it, it all. And I was, you know, I was raised in a home that I was sheltered from that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. not smoking, but I just didn't like smoking. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm a girl. <laughs> I don't like that kind of stuff. But, um, but the, uh, but drugs, I had never, never done drugs. I, and I was definitely, I didn't drink as a teenager. I stayed away from it. And I stayed away from sex because that was a monster to me at that age. Because, you know, the abuse I, I had um, been dealt but uh, when you get to a place where you can't trust God, if you can't trust the men in your life, you're not going to trust God. And I think that's why we hold on to control in our rights. At least that's why I did. Yeah, um, if, yeah. if we can, there's a verse that the Lord gave me. And it's uh, Psalms 27, 4. And yeah. it says, one Go thing there. I ask from the Lord. Okay. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So God gave this verse to me. He highlighted it um, at the probably three-year mark, I think, um, when I was, I've been saved now 19 years. So about the the three-year mark, and I saw this verse, and it just leaped at me. And I thought, Lord, wouldn't it be be wonderful to be able to go to this place and meet you there? And for some reason, I always saw a wall. Mm. In all these years, I've seen this wall. When I was young, I asked God at one point, I said, Lord, in the midst of being abused, I cried out and out loud. And I said, Lord, your hand is so big. If you would just bring it down, you could save me from all of this. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't stop it. And I, don't, I didn't know at the time why. But unfortunately for me, and then all the abuse that I experienced from that point on, I started to believe that I wasn't good enough to be able to go into his gates. I would not be able to dwell in the house of the Lord because I wasn't invited. And um, recently, and I didn't know this is what I was thinking subconsciously, but mm-hmm. recently God brought this uh, verse up again. And I was like, I know, Lord, you know, I'm allowed to work for you. I can do the things you've given me to do but I'm not allowed to step into your gates. I'm not allowed to go into your house. I'm only allowed to look through them. No. Right. And you know, and the Lord was like, no, Sherry, you, 
You don't need an invitation. Yeah. You're welcome. All you have to do is step in. But I didn't understand that, Lisa. I didn't know that the, the pain was so deep in my heart. Um, from that one moment, when the abuse didn't stop, I, someone like, you know, I don't know if it was the enemy or myself, but I believed a lie that I was not good enough to go in. I was not welcomed, nor would I ever receive an invitation. What I didn't understand was that those roots were so deep that it actually caused me to question my salvation. So all these years, there's been times, seasons where I've questioned my salvation, and it's been recently in the last year that God has really been ministering to my heart and showing me truly who I am. I am not the girl that the, my abusers saw. I'm not her. I'm not the girl that my ex-husband saw. But I am the woman that God sees and Bill sees because Bill sees me so differently from the way that they do. Now, he didn't in the beginning, of course, because he was fighting against me. But he sees me now. He sees who I am. And God sees who I am. And there was a time... If you're listening and you're struggling in this area, and maybe something I've said in this is really ministering to your heart, and you're like, Sheree, that's exactly where I'm at. I just didn't know how to put it into words. Then please know that is not who you are. Who God has created you to be is who you are, not the definitions or the labels that you have taken on because of your past. And whether you mm-hmm. understand it or not, it will impact your marriage because you're bringing all of that into the relationship with your husband. So mm-hmm. if God's coming to us and he's, he's wooing us, he's, he's, you know, he's loving on us and he's encouraging us, strengthening, strengthening us, showing us our sin because our sin separates him, us from him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't separate him from us. It separates us from him. Um, we can know that God truly does love us and we are invited. I don't have mm-hmm. to look through the fence anymore. I can go in because mm-hmm. that's where I'm supposed to be is his presence. Um, so I pray that if someone's listening and you're struggling in this area as well, that, that this encourages you to recognize the very things that God says that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, above and not beneath, blessed in the fields, blessed in the storehouses, you know, that those are true affirmations of who you are to God. He doesn't see the abusers um, or anything else you've gone through. He doesn't see the labels. I can honestly, for once in my life, finally say he doesn't see those things he sees this beautiful creation that he has loved before he even formed you that's who he sees and you are welcome you are welcome to go in those gates you are welcome to stand in his presence you are welcome to just love on him and let him love on you absolutely absolutely i can't add anything to what you have said but while you were saying that i'm looking at psalm 27 in front of me and it it is a very um, is a very tight passage to me, a very important passage to me. Yeah. And I'm going to read I'm going to read beyond verse four. I'm going to pick up at verse five and and read through verse fourteen. And I'll pause to to explain why this is so so important to me. For he will conceal me when he will conceal seal me there in his temple. When troubles come, he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer to me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. 
And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And so for anyone who's listening right now, if you are feeling this prompting of God that is saying, you don't turn your back on me. I'm here for you. I see what you have been in. No, I have not removed you from this marriage. No, I've not, you know, giving you what you think you want at this point. Because that's the problem. Like how, how come God allows us to remain in the place of suffering and the replace of pain when we think he should be this magic genie that kind of swoops in and solves it all? <laughs> right? the and save yeah. the day. Like, God, you can, but you're yeah. not. And yet right. when he doesn't, he is our shelter. He is our strong tower. Uh, he can yeah. be that in the difficult places. I heard James McDonald yeah. speak years ago. He said every single person is either in the middle of a trial, coming out of a trial, or going back into a trial. And at the time, the first three days of that week of preaching, I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And then, uh-huh. And I realized it was, for me, my, my struggle at that point, my suffering was I was in two years of estrangement with my dad, where he had completely rejected me because mm-hmm. of my faith and, and a multitude of other reasons. And it was a deeply painful trial, but not one that has a title for it. Like a trial typically is a death or an illness or a, adultery or abuse. Like how do you, what's the category of estrangement? I mean, with a parent yeah. and yet this yeah. passage, do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. I felt like God rejected me. I really did Yeah. Th- through the Amen. rejection of my father. Uh, you have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. Oh God, in my salvation. And then verse 10, even if my, my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. Yeah. Amen. I didn't believe it. I didn't feel held close by God during that time. Mm -hmm. For the first two years of the four years, when I was in denial about my pain, and denial about the suffering. I think that the Lord wants us to come to him and talk to him about it so that we can experience his presence comforting us. And when we blame God for the hurt, as opposed to talk to God about the wounding, I just think that there's there's this like, tiny little nuance of a difference like one is God at arm's length and the other is holding his hand yeah and so then it goes on go ahead no you go 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 no I was just gonna say there's a scripture I think it's in Deuteronomy and it says is my arm not too is my arm not long enough and that verse I love that verse (laughs) Because I need his arms to be really long because there are times that I'm resisting him and I need him to grab me anyway in the midst of my resisting, which of course goes back to control in my rights. But even to this day, there in new seasons, there's moments where I'm resisting his his direction and I need his arm to be long enough. (laughs) You said arm and that's what reminded me. Yeah. Is my arm not long enough? Yes, Lord. Your arm is long enough. Thank you. Your arm is long enough. 
that night in that week of James McDonald preaching, I, mm. I finally surrendered my father and the pain wow. of my life, really, because it was a double whammy, having grown up physically and emotionally abused, and then to be in my, you yeah. know, mid thirties and, and going through this as an adult with a father who was emotionally abusive at that time, he no longer is. Um, I, I, you know, it was a crisis of faith for me. And God said to me in no uncertain terms, will you still love me and honor me? Even if I don't give you what you want, even if I don't restore your father mm -hmm. to you, even if you don't see in the land of the living, my redemptive work in your dad, in your life, will you still love me and, and obey me? And I wrote in the sand and I took a photo of it and I have that picture still. I said, okay. I didn't say yes. It was not a yes. <laughs> it, it wasn't a, absolutely God, I'm with you. It was fine. You know, it was an okay along the words of fine. Yeah. I, I ungrip my fingers from what I think you should do, shaking my fists at you and, and yield, have your way, Lord. And that was the beginning of me being able to forgive my dad. And I remember I had heard a Beth Moore teaching that us choosing to forgive somebody does not require that offender's participation. That we can forgive yeah. and release the burden of judgment mm -hmm. and punishment to the Lord and, and move forward by saying, I forgive you, even if the person who needs to be forgiven never even hears you say that because they refuse to have anything to do with you. Right, right. And yeah. in the next two years, I, God brought me through such a healing of, of forgiveness. That was when God became my father and released the burden of expectation that my dad would have to fill a fatherly role in my life. I no longer needed him. And the Lord surrounded me with so many surrogate dads in that season. It was absolutely like mm. amazing. And my children with surrogate grandparents, like grandfathers, it was, it was just crazy what God did in those two years. And I say two years because two years later, I had prayed on the way home heard a song on the radio and prayed for my father. And this was my prayer. Lord, wherever my dad is right now, I ask that you would bless him. Just fill him with your presence, Lord. Bless him. Don't, don't hold this against him anymore. Give him, give him the ability to move on. Oh. And I was like, wow, I'm healed. Like I just prayed for my enemy. <laughs> I'm in a good place. And the next day, I got an email from my dad that after two years, four years of silence, basically, uh, Lisa, will you forgive me? Everything I've ever said or done to hurt you has been wrong. And I would like to see if you would allow me back into your life. And I said, oh, my word, like, I already forgave you. Yes, I will see you. There will be terms. <laughs> and. <laughs> he, you know, he came down a, a yeah. week later 
we went out to lunch and I said to him, I'm happy to let you back into my life. You will not see the children for a time. I will see you one-on-one, -on -one, but you need to go for counseling to figure out why you did what you did so you never do it again. And he did, yeah. got himself into therapy. And now I think seven, eight years have passed. He is the most repentant, non-Christian man I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> Full of remorse and humility. And, and our relationship has had 100% reconciliation that I yeah. believe is just the sheer mercy and kindness of God because he didn't promise me that. Yeah. He promised to be with me. And, and here, picking up at verse uh, 11, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, uh, right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. I mean, this could have been my dad. This could have been, this could yeah. be any woman's husband right now. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, Lisa, I don't think we understand that when we let go of unforgiveness, we're taking off a yoke. Mm -hmm. um, in the Bible, God tells us that my yoke is easy because my burdens are few. Well, a, a yoke is a burden, and it's not a good one. It's, it's one that brings hardship to the person mm -hmm. that's, that's wearing it. So yeah. what you did in that moment when you forgave was you, you took that yoke off. You said, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And what happened in the spirit realm, in the spiritual, is that he was released. Yeah. So now that he's released, because you asked God to bless him, now that you've released him from that, um, God's able to step in and begin to move. But as long as we continue to hold on forgiveness against that person, you know, it takes a lot longer for healing to come for both of us. Now, that doesn't mean there's a guarantee that the person that we need to forgive, their life's going to change. But more mm -hmm. so than not, I see the life yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can only imagine it because I think as I look back over the last seven years or so with my dad, it's, it's the way we have forgiven him that has ushered in his winsomeness. And Stephen had to forgive him. The kids had to forgive him. I mean, he hurt all of us. It wasn't just an offense against yeah. me. And there are people in my life that um, have not owned their wounding of me that I still have to continue to forgive on a regular basis. And I have yet to see God move in them, even though I've, I've moved in obedience and forgiveness. And so I think it's just important to point that out that that yeah. it's us us saying I I'm not I'm not living tied to your junk anymore. <laughs> I I don't want to be chained to what you're going through in your sin and your destruction. And so I you belong to God's authority, not mine, and, and move on. Yeah, amen. That in the your soul. story is so beautiful. Yeah. 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 I didn't even know that that was something I was going to talk about today. But this passage of though my mother <laughs> and my father uh, abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. And I can tell you that is truth. And the Lord has held me close, even when I haven't recognized it's his arms around me. 
it's hindsight yeah. you see it, not in the moment. So would you uh, pray us out and kind of give a commissioning for our sure. marriages? Okay, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Good Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible time with Lise. Thank you, Father, for the friendship that, that we have, Lord. Thank you, Father, that she is someone that I can always come to when I need help, when I need prayer. Father, I pray that, um, that you would uh, bless her, Lord, bless her ministry, bless her family. Father, God, continue to give her such incredible creative roots, Lord, and use her mightily. Continue to use her mightily in ministry, in her community, in her church, and home. Lord, as we look at uh, the women that are listening to this podcast, Father, if there's women that are struggling, they're listening for a reason, God. They have questions. They need to know probably more than anything, Lord, that you are right there with them. Father, I ask that you would lean into them, Lord, that they would, that you would speak to them in a way that they know it has to be you, just like you've done for me, just like you've done for Lee, and that you've done for others. Lord, speak their love language. Lord, minister to them. Let them know you're standing right there with them. They're not doing this alone and that there is help. Father, I pray. Well, actually, I declare. I declare that marriages that are listening to this podcast, Father, that, that um, salvation is coming to fruition. Father, I declare healing in each of their lives. Lord, I declare, God, a movement that you are moving mountains, Father God, that stands before those that, that see them. And Father, I declare freedom in these lives, freedom to be able to walk the life that you've designed them to live within their marriage, within their community, their church, their home, each area, work, wherever you have planted them, Father God, that they will be able to let go, Lord, and, and that they will begin to walk free in your word, free in understanding, free from the bondage that they have been in for so long. God, like Lee said, this goes, there are so many layers to this, and there's no way we can get to all of it in one podcast. But Father God, you are amazing. You know their beginning, you know their end, and you know right where they're at, all at the same time. You have every detail written on the forefront of your mind, God. You care for them and you love them. Lord, if they're in pain, we ask God that you administer to their hearts, bring them incredible comfort, God. Let them know that they are not alone. And Father, most of all, we ask that you begin to bring them into freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We just did church. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh. you. It has been so much fun. Thank you. So good. Thank you for being with me, Cherie. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More to Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.